For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. of Over the Line, Andrew McLean with you today. I say that like I'm not with you every day. There's going to be a lot of coughing going on today, a lot of muting of my mic. Because I got some some sickness going on, but that's all right. We'll get through it. It's going to be a, a, a good time. Thank y'all for hanging out, especially you guys watching the live video. Thank you as well to you people that are listening on the backside on your favorite podcast app application. Don't forget to go to overthelineshow.com. Sign up for the newsletter as we add new things to the website. We'll keep you guys updated as to uh, as to what we're doing. There's a lot of stuff to talk about today. Now, first of all, coming up at uh, about 9.30 or so. I don't even know what that was. Coming up at about 9.30, uh, we're going to have... The one and only Michael Hart on the show. He's going to give us a call, and uh, we're going to talk to him about some of the issues going on right now. It's been a while since we've had him on here. We, I think we had him on like maybe the first or first or second show that we did. I think we kind of brought in a bunch of different people, but uh, we had 
we had him on then, and it, he hasn't been on since just because everything's so crazy. It's hard to, to keep up. So we're going to bring him on and just talk about some of the stuffs going on with the border issue with uh, the, the government shutdown, Gillette, whatever. Whatever's going on right now, we're going to talk about it. And uh, excited to, to conversate with him a little bit. Also, I, I kind of want to, and I just saw this before the show started, and I wanted to, to bring it up. This whole thing about companies going out of their way to offer free stuff or services to government employees that have been furloughed or aren't getting a paycheck. Which, nothing wrong with that. I, I, I don't want... Uh, I, I don't want that to be taken out of context. But there's something just odd about it in the sense of... I, I don't remember when coal mines and steel plants across the country were being shut down and people were, were losing their jobs. I don't remember these companies coming to the rescue to say, Hey, we're going to save you. We're going to do whatever we need to do to help you through this tough time. Yeah, maybe I'm missing it. I, I I personally don't remember that. Maybe you do. Who knows? But we're going to talk about that. Uh, what else? Oh, uh, Angel Moms, who we've talked about on this show before, and we've even talked about trying to get some of these guys on here, on the show. Uh, they stormed, I guess that's the appropriate term, they stormed the Capitol and visited Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer's office there on Capitol Hill. In an attempt to just talk to them and and, and explain to them why they, they find it is so important that we secure the border, that we put up a wall or we do something and, and quit the the silly bipartisan bull squeeze that's going on on Capitol Hill right now, the grandstanding, and let's get something done. The reason they're so passionate about it because they've had loved ones that were killed by illegal immigrants. As you can imagine, that's the last thing Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer want to be hearing from Americans because they've picked their side and they don't plan on switching. Which also brings you to another point, which is Donald Trump needs to just go ahead and declare a national emergency. A lot of people are making the argument that the national is the, the national emergency thing has already passed because if it were a national emergency, he should have called it immediately and not waited. That's true. But it does not change the fact that the president has the power to call for the national emergency. That doesn't change whatsoever. So the fact that he's waiting, it's really not that big a deal. Optics-wise, pull. Politically, yeah, maybe so. But when it comes down to it, whether he can or cannot do it, he can still do it. And it doesn't make a difference when he does it. 
The guy's just trying to do it the right way. And, and I understand that we hammered Jeff Sessions for doing things, quote-unquote, the right way. We did. And we've also called for Donald Trump to go ahead and call for the national emergency and get the wall thing started. Because it's going to be challenged in court. You're going to have a whole process. And time is ticking. Trump's only got two years left before the next election. And as most of us know, the wall needs to be, construction on the wall needs to be started by the time we get into the next election cycle. Not to the next election, but just the next election cycle. We need to go ahead and have that wall started. Will that happen? I have no idea. But we will sit back, we will wait and see. And see what Donald Trump does. Something else we didn't talk about yesterday. And I'm very disappointed in myself. I didn't bring this up. Because this is such a major, major issue. Is the dinner and the visit that Donald Trump had with the Clemson Tigers. It has been been wall-to-wall coverage. I say wall-to-wall coverage. There's been an unnecessary amount of coverage on the fact that Donald Trump ordered tons of fast food to the White House in order to feed the football players of Clemson. When they were questioned afterwards, they didn't seem to mind, but that does not matter to the Democrats and the establishment media. They continued to lose their mind. They don't care. (laughs) They want to take anything and everything. And I don't know that they're taking the situation and and seeing it as okay and then trying to manipulate it. I I think they legitimately, their knee-jerk reaction is that this is beneath the office of the presidency and that... It's the most disrespectful thing a president could do. Yet, we go back and we look at past presidents and those same people that are losing their minds now praised people like Obama for being just a regular dude because he's ordering pizza to the White House. Or he's ordering whatever. I'm about to get off in some Pizzagate stuff, but he ordered so many thousand dollars worth of pizza. And hot dogs. He's out on the town just eating cheeseburgers and stuff because he's just a regular dude. Such a cool dude. But now, now it's not cool. Now it's now it's beneath the office of the president. How dare Donald Trump bring in McDonald's? What's wrong with McDonald's all of a sudden? Everything Trump has associated himself with absolutely disgusts these people. Kanye West, McDonald's, I'm just trying to think of some off the top of my head. Just just pick anything that Donald Trump has associated himself with. And the left absolutely despises it. Remember, Donald Trump was famous for eating, um, you know, uh, Big Macs or, or McDonald's or KFC on his on his plane and all this kind of stuff. People are like, 
That's so crazy. That's so awful. A rich man eating that stuff. How dare him? That's our food. Us poor people, that's our food. They lose their mind over this. It's it's absolutely amazing. And it's the kind of stuff that I personally love. It warms my heart to see people lose their mind. Because it's trivial stuff, which is really, for the most part, it's all the left has to go on these days. You know, most days of the week are the trivial things. And they blow them up into such big, large issues that the rest of the country, swing voters, Republicans, conservatives, whatever, they look at these people and they're like, this is the issue you're worried about? You're worried about McDonald's? With all the problems we've got, with all the problems we've accumulated over the years, this is what you're worried about. Hmm. And that doesn't help your case when it comes to election season. When you get into uh, when you get into the elections, and people want to know what issue, which side stands for, a lot of times they'll look at their base. They'll look at the people that associate themselves with that particular party or that particular candidate. They'll say, "Well, let me see what kind of people support this candidate." Oh, it's those crazies that lost their mind over McDonald's. Over college kids eating McDonald's. I don't know if y'all know this, but college kids love McDonald's. College kids love fast food. And every one of them that were questions, because reporters were chomping at the bit to get their hands on one of these football players and have them say something demeaning about the feast. There in the White House. That's all they wanted. They wanted that one soundbite where a Clemson player was like, well, I thought it was disrespectful. And none of them said it. They all said, hey, it was fantastic. We loved it. Here's my point. I personally, if I were in that position, and, and I'm on a team that wins a national championship, we go up there and I find out that Donald Trump is providing, because of a government shutdown, he's providing out-of-pocket uh, who knows how much money worth of McDonald's and, and whatever other fast food was there. I won't be like, that's pretty funny. And actually, that's kind of cool because it's unique. That's not happened before for a, a national champion's visit. And then I get there, and then I find out that it's the most talked-about story in the media that day and people are losing their minds, that makes me love it even more because at that point, I've got a story to tell my kids and my grandkids that I was a part of the national champion's visit to the White House, the most talked about national champion's visit, where we had McDonald's, and the wacko mainstream media lost their ever-loving minds over it. That's what. <laughs> that's the way I view it. That's the way I see it. I, I view it through the lens of, hey, this is a one of once in a lifetime moment. Well, you may never see anything like that again. It's amazing. I'm actually pretty jealous that I was not able to, to be a part of that. 
By the way, uh, for those of you that are listening to us on any of our live platforms, probably Blog Talk Radio, we have some sort of issue. Some sort of issue with the uh, uh, connection on YouTube. I don't know if that's on our end or, or what, but uh, hopefully that'll be resolved soon. We'll try to figure that out during the break. We will still have Michael Hart coming up in, uh, in just about five or ten minutes, so stick around for that. Uh, let me throw you a few more headlines before we go to break, though. Uh, some things from yesterday. I told you about that church sign at the end of the show. And they said homosexuality is a sin, and the pastor got canned for it. I want to bring that up one more time and just give you the details on it. South Carolina is proposing a bill requiring students to take a personal finance course. You heard Amanda Head, the Hollywood conservative, bring that up yesterday. I'll give you some details on that if we get time. Uh, We've also got uh, what you've probably seen on the news this morning, a terrorist attack in Africa. We'll give you some uh, some deets on that one. Also, I'm looking at a 4.7 magnitude earthquake reported off the Maryland coast. And uh, even some other earthquakes across the country. A 4.4 in Oklahoma and a 3.4 in San Francisco. Huh. Crazy. I'm just flying through some headlines here. Also, uh, the stuff in Parliament over across the pond. That stuff is, uh, <laughs> you think our politics are crazy? Those people, uh, they get crunk. <laughs> they act crazy. And uh, I kind of want to play you some of that audio because it's uh, it's actually pretty funny. See the British people getting so mad. We, I feel like we over here, we, we view people across the pond as mild-mannered and nice to each other and all this kind of stuff. Those people are mean sometimes. These people have a temper. I'm just saying. You don't want to cross them. But all that's related to the Brexit stuff. Theresa May trying to come up with a a plan to exit that deal. Because it has damaged their country so much. But her plan is not being accepted. It's not having a a, uh, a warm reception, if you will. So she's either got to come up with another plan or she's going to get booted. We'll talk about that as well. Quick break. More over the line, over the line show.com coming up next. Y'all hang tight.
Space Force. Space Force. Space, space is a war-fighting domain, just like the land, the air, and sea. We have the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Space Force. Ah, my new national strategy could be Space Force, Space, Space, or Space Force. doing a tremendous amount of work in space. I said, maybe we need a new force. We'll call it the Space Force. And I was not really serious. And then I said, what a great idea. Tremendous. Tremendous. Space Force, space, space, for space, force. Space Force, space, space, for space, force. Space Force, space, space, for space, force. show.com we had a whole thing with our live stream where we had to uh, start over so whatever you missed you can go back on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all that kind of stuff and listen to it wasn't anything special you didn't really miss anything but you can still uh, still go back and listen to that have a very very special guest on the line maybe the most famous person that's ever been on this podcast in its short tenure, it is the one and only Michael Hart. Michael Hart, how are you, sir? I am just great, Andrew, and I guess I am the most famous person you've had on today's podcast. You are. You're uh, you're very famous. By the way, I noticed, I try to listen to at least a little bit of your show each day, and I noticed today you went from audio only to you put your mug right there on the screen for everybody to see. Well, you know what happened? A couple of weeks ago, I got an opportunity to do a... Uh, I've been doing a couple of TV hits out on the West Coast, 
And uh, I had one particular uh, big production company contact me and asked me if I could do a Skype interview, the, you know, dealing primarily with the shutdown. And I said, sure. And they did the uh, the testing and they just absolutely hated the 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 video, the, the feed I was giving them. They said there was something wrong with my camera, something wrong with my computer. So I said, well, the heck with this. And I went out to the, the store that supposedly has a Best Buy, and I got me a brand-new computer, a, a brand-new camera. I got all this uh, technology that's sitting right in front of me, and I thought, why in the world am I just using this to make telephone calls? I'm going to go try to do a Facebook Live while I do the radio program. I did that today, the inaugural video edition, and guess what? It crashed, just like you. <laughs> nice. It must be a thing uh, where they're just going after conservative podcasts today, and uh, they're trying to crash us all. But that video uh, was very, very clear. I can't imagine that those TV people are complaining now. No, they they, they seem to like what we were able to do. And, you know, it, but the thing is, is that I am – I get I get better looking as the day goes on. So, you know, looking at my old uh, – my old uh, 58-year-old hagged-out backside at 8 o'clock in the morning. You know, I don't know if that's going to be long sustainable. I'm going to have to start going to bed at 7 o'clock at night to get the bags out from under my eyes. But, um, yeah, I enjoyed doing it. And I know you've been doing it with a lot of success the last few weeks. But uh, it was different. It was interesting. And uh, we'll do some more of it. But I'm going to have to get a facelift. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just as long as you get up in time to do your makeup and put your, put your suit on and the red boots and all that, you should be good. I didn't wear pants today. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. You don't have to wear pants now. Uh, I forgot about that part. All right, uh, Michael, let's talk about some issues. What's going on here? And, and it's the things that you and I have both been talking about at nauseum, as as you know. Uh, we'll start off with the border and the shutdown. That is in day, what, 26 now? I can't even keep up with it. Um, the, the battle between, basically, between Trump and Pelosi, because... Chuck Schumer, he's just kind of in the mix. The Senate's ready to take that up and send it on through, we assume. Uh, but it's a battle with Nancy Pelosi, who has no interest in advancing this. Are we in a position where the Democrats want Trump to call a national emergency so they can then fight it on the backside in the courts? Well, you know, I think, Andrew, that's probably the ultimate goal because both of them have vet both camps have vested themselves so deeply in the outcome. And it's one of those kind of fights where, you know, you, you don't want to give up even if you know that you're wrong. And so if Trump gives in, you know, he runs the risk of paying for that in, in 2020 because that was his primary campaign platform. Now, in the case of Nancy Pelosi, she is, you know, she's recently, uh, you know, reelected back to the House. I know that she's got a lot of concerns about the, the Democrat socialist, you know, vis-a-vis -vis the Alexandria Cortezes of the world. If she capitulates, then all of a sudden, you know, she may very well be damaged good for the maintenance of the speakership. So you've got a, a couple of different politicians that are both narcissists, that are both very uh, thick-headed, that are going to stand their ground. But it does seem to me that each passing day, you know, that Trump gets a little bit stronger on this position because the American people do want the border secured. The reality of it is, is that the cost of the border is now rapidly surpassing the loss of revenue in terms of, you know, the salaries, the gross domestic product of the furloughed federal employees. Now, the, you know, certain organizations, as you're well aware, the IRS are pressing these employees to come back to, to work without the benefit of a paycheck. So with each passing day, Nancy looks like the one that is, 
doing the most damage to the country. She's not going to capitulate. Her only real option here is to compel Trump to dip into the Defense Department's budget for the purposes of building the wall so she can hang that around, as you point out, in a court challenge. Well, I think what they need to do, what the Trump side needs to do, is address the American people and lay out how the negotiations have gone step by step. Because what they would show is that Trump has offered Nancy and Chuck every single thing that they want. They He's offered them uh, the, some Dreamer stuff. He's offered them this other border security that they want, which is stuff we want, too. You want the technology on the border. You want to increase the number of Border Patrol agents, even the number of judges in these immigration courts, uh, infrastructure on the ports of entry, whatever. Those are the things we want, but we want that along with the border wall. And the Democrats are willing to give up all the things they claim that they want if there is going to be a border wall attached to it. That's how much they are against the wall. They can get what they want, but not they don't want it if a wall is attached to it. And what's going to happen is the wall is going to end up getting built, and instead of them getting the stuff they want to, uh, that, that that they're negotiating for, or they, that they say they want, they're going to end up empty-handed. They're going to come to Trump wanting this other stuff, and he's going to say, man, you lost your chance. Yeah, I, you're, you're, you're spot on with that because, you know, there was this, this uh, couple audios that popped up a couple of days ago from some of the, the Border Patrol leadership and, you know, making the case that wherever we have fencing or barriers or whatever – that we're not having problems, that our problems are only occurring in the areas where there is no security, you know, at least in terms of a physical structure. And then you had this, this uh, I believe his name is Martin Morgan that came out a few days ago, who was the border chief, border security chief under the Obama administration, saying, look, Obama was talking about the wall, what's the problem here? Every single day, Pelosi seems to want to, to wanna dig in more and more and more and as you point out, you know, Schumer just kind of hanging on out there because Schumer has nothing to do with this at this stage of the game. So it looks like she's trying to employ a little bit of congressional little congressional muscle there. And just the the attendance of Schumer in the uh, in these pressers and whatnot looks like she's becoming a little fearful of, of standing out there alone against the president. So she is going to continue to double down and to the point where he is going to have the upper hand, because I agree with you, Andrew, I think the wall is definitely going to get built. He's going to stand firm on this. And the reality of it is he is not going to risk America's safety, security, and sovereignty over 800 furlough or 800,000 rather furloughed employees Whereas, you know, I don't know what the heck Nancy Pelosi's thought process is here other than to be politically motivated. Yeah, I, I, I think what you've got is uh, a, an attitude, a cocky attitude going into this. For instance, when when the Democrats won the House, you would have thought that they won uh, the presidency and they won the Super Bowl of politics, that, that this was the greatest thing. Nancy Pelosi's getting her own town hall on MSNBC, all these things. It's just the greatest moment in political history that the Democrats won uh, very few seats uh, compared to what they were supposed to win. So they come in with this attitude that they're the world champions and that they're they're in charge now. They're about to run roughshod over everybody. And they hit, no pun intended, they hit a wall when they ran in there to talk to Donald Trump about cutting a deal that they, they thought that they were going to get what they wanted they were going to get rid of this wall and they realized 
or I at least think they realize now that he's not going to budge because Democrats for so long, they were used to uh, having Republicans buckle for the sake of just getting legislation passed because Republicans are in the business of how many things, how many pieces of legislation can I get passed? Because when it comes time for reelection, I want to be able to say I've had to, in the past four years, I've passed 50 pieces of legislation with my name on it, blah, blah, blah. They're not doing that anymore because Donald Trump's basically not letting them. He's telling Mitch McConnell, he's like, don't even send it to me because I'm not going to sign it if it doesn't have what I want. And so the Republicans are having, they're being forced to grow a backbone. The Democrats weren't ready for that. They were ready for the same old Republicans, thought they were going to get their way. And now they've backed themselves into a corner and they may walk away empty handed. Right. Well, you know, something else that I think a lot of people, you know, fail to realize here is that Trump, he can't back down because he becomes politically lame at that point in time. And, you know, something else is that he doesn't have long term political aspirations, even if he gets reelected to the presidency. You know, he's off the radar here in the next five, five and a half years. And so he, he, he doesn't have a long-term career to protect. There is absolutely no downside to Donald Trump waiting this thing out. But he is not, you know, the, the ego, as you point out, the ego, I guess maybe in somewhat of the, um, uh, the self-centeredness and the, the narcissism that seems to rule the day for pretty much all politicians is not going to allow him to capitulate, and dare I say it, especially to a woman, at least in his viewpoints, not to paint him as misogynistic, but, you know, the guy is going to stand his ground because, you know, he's going to put nation first, personality second, and Nancy Pelosi 17th. He doesnn't care. He has nothing to lose. And, and he, the only thing he really does have to lose is his credibility and his reputation of being defeated in a very public negotiation. That's just not within the, the – uh, that, that's not within his character, Andrew. It's not a matter of that he won't. It's a matter that he can't capitulate. His own ego wouldn't let him. So he is going to stand steadfast. The The trick for Trump now is to be to sell it to the American people that the shutdown eventually will be successful, that people will not be hurt, and that if they are hurt, that he's going to contact the drive through window at the McDonald's and everything's going to be just fine. <laughs> right. Well, and, and Trump, the thing is, Trump knows that, uh, what the what motivates these guys, because so for so long, he was one of the people that motivated them financially. He gives them money. They do what they want. They do what he asked them to do, whatever, more than likely, whatever benefits his company at the time. Uh, that's the way the world of politics have always worked. And that's why they hated the guy, because they knew he was going to come in and expose them for what they do. I, I think back on the campaign trail, when Donald Trump would bring up at debates how much money he would give the candidates he's literally standing beside and how they didn't have a problem taking money from him then. And I'm thinking to myself, that just shows that this is this guy is exposing these people as being beholden to the to the people with the money, the people in the financial sector or, or whatever. They're taking people's money in doing their bidding instead of doing the bidding of the American people. And it took one of the guys that was funneling these politicians the money to expose them to then get to Capitol Hill and change the game. That's what's amazing. Uh, uh, fast food, you talk about that. Give me your thoughts on the Clemson visit to the White House. You know, 
Much ado about nothing. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll throw I'll throw the proverbial bone out there that it was a little odd. But, you know, I also, I'm a big fan of the movie. If you ever saw the movie Kingsman of the Secret Service, where you have this another narcissistic character in, in the, uh, the character of Samuel Jackson, who was this multi-billionaire Steve Jobs kind of guy who's going to overthrow the world. And he throws a dinner party and he serves McDonald's hamburgers there, too. You know, I think that there was some attempt by the Trump White House to make some kind of cultural connection and just say, look, you know, these football players, you know, they get steak and potatoes and stuff all the time. Anyway, let's make it fun. Let's make it loosey goosey. I mean, hell, if if uh, Forrest Gump can drink 13 or 17 Dr. Peppers, you know, why in the world can't we serve McDonald's, you know, to the Clemson football team? I thought it was funny. I thought the optics was was really interesting. I understand why he caught heat for it because it was different. It was it was weird. But at the end of the day, Andrew, it's Trump. That's what I'm saying. And, and I don't even know that it's the fact that he's like, ah, oh, it's college kids. They love McDonald's. I think Donald Trump is like, I love McDonald's, so they must love McDonald's. I mean, there's no telling how how many times Trump eats it. You know, he's all about the McDonald's and the KFC and all this kind of stuff. And and, and nothing screams capitalism in the first place like McDonald's. So he's got an affection for that place in that sense, but uh, I, I thought it was great. I mean, it, it's probably part of Trump loves McDonald's, but it's also part trolling because he knew the media would lose their mind over this. And this is just—it's why I love the guy so much because well, he's you know, playing I these do people. Know, yeah, he is, and I and I do know a handful of people. I've never met Trump personally, but I know several people that either know him very well or actually work in the White House. And pretty much every one of them has told me the same thing. And even a couple of people that you know have told me the same thing, that he really is pretty approachable. He's a pretty affable guy. And despite the wealth and the power and the, and the, and the ego and the arrogance, that he really is pretty, uh, pretty uh, a laid-back dude. And I think this was just kind of his way of saying, you know, I'm going to stick on to the media. I like McDonald's, but at the same time, I'm going to make this just kind of a leisurely hoedown and a celebration, and we're just all going to sit around like a bunch of guys. I mean, I'm surprised there wasn't a case of fall staff or old Milwaukee light there in the Oval <laughs> yeah, Office somewhere yeah. as well. Wouldn't that have been amazing if they would have walked in and there would have been stacks of beer over in the corner with, like, uh, funnels sitting on top? and <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, like, can you imagine bottles of Jack and George Dickel? All of the media would have spun out of control. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Hey, well, here's the thing. The media used to fawn over the fact that uh, Barack Obama used to go out and, and eat cheeseburgers and, and do all this regular dude stuff. He's such a cool guy. He's, he's drinking a beer out on the White House lawn, all this kind of stuff. It was cool just a few short years ago for a president to do that. But now it's absolutely absurd and beneath the presidency, and I'm leaving out the the whole emails about you know ordering thousands of dollars worth of pizza and hot dogs. That's a, I guess that's another story. But well, what about but what about what about the recent really weird va- Facebook video of Elizabeth Warren enjoying a beer? Let me tell you something. You, you want to talk about something that's that's ginned up? Let me tell you, buddy. I, I can drink a beer. You know, I don't look at it. Well, I'm going to go to the refrigerator and I want to enjoy a cold beer beverage. No, I mean, give me a break. You know. So she, it's uh, it's okay for her to go out there, you know, and look all Pocahontas while she's drinking a fire water, trying to appeal to some guy named Darth Vader who's watching her on Facebook. But you know, <laughs> dear God, the president of the United States do it. That was the best. She's like, oh look, Fortnite is here. That's so. That's a cool name. And then oh, she goes and asks her husband. She's like, do you want to be her honey? And he's like, no, I'm good. I'm like, that, yeah, that was. 
<laughs> yeah, she thanks she thanks but she thanks her own husband. Well, thank you for being here. I'm like, woman, I live here. What are you talking about? <laughs> Give me that beer. Get your hands off my beer. What are you doing? Oh, uh, that was that was so good. Uh I think that's it outside. As you know, uh, they've got the hearings going on for the uh, new soon-to-be attorney general. uh, Day two of that going on now. Uh, You've also got the controversy with Representative Representative Steve King. You've seen those comments, right? Yeah, and, you know, of course, you know, we talked about that briefly on, on my program earlier today. And uh, he is problematic. I, you know, I don't, I, I don't know if he's really a racist or he's just that stupid. You know, he made a comment that uh, he had learned t- terms like white nationalism and white supremacy in his high school civics classes. Where was he going to school? Some trailer park in Arkansas? I mean, I don't get that at all. But um, yeah, I mean, this guy, he's he's a problem, Andrew. I think he needs to go. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's not like uh, Joe Bonner level. You remember Joe Bonner when he? Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he, I'll never forget the episode where he was on with Scott Beeson, and, and Beeson was trying to go through his Facebook post with him. That was amazing. He's not to that level, but uh, it, it, I understood the the part of the statement where he said white nationalist and Western culture. When did those become offensive? But when he threw in the white supremacist. Uh, term and why is that offensive? I think that's where it kind of took a turn for the worse because really, I mean, you know as well as anybody, if you take the term white and you take the term nationalist and you put those together, does that not just mean you're a white person that loves the country? Which I think people should be a white nationalist, a black nationalist, what whatever whatever race you are, be a nationalist, love your country. But it's the fact that he threw the other one in there. I think that. Uh, is really railroaded him. So in your opinion, you think he's out of there? Well, I think he, I don't know that he'll actually be uh, removed from, from Congress. I think he should, he won't step down, but I think he should be thrown out. But then again, you know, Andrew, we're living in a culture where everything is offensive now. And of course now, you know, Gillette's got to come up with her idiotic commercials about toxic masculinity. And, you know, I'm just waiting for the movie national velvet to be a pariah because, you know, everything out there now is you, you got to be offended by everything. And certainly, you know, Steve King gave us something to be offended by, but in this climate i don't think there's any any place for that kind of talk and on top of everything else it not only it not only demonstrates that he's a racist it also demonstrates that he's a foolish jackass and for that reason alone i think he should go there you go well michael hart uh tell the peeps just in case i know we have a lot of the same people uh that that listen to us but for people that have not found your show yet or your website tell them real quick how they can find that stuff well, we're pretty much everywhere, Spotify, you know, iTunes, Google Play, the whole thing. But we go live every single morning at 8 a.m. Central Time and the destination point. Wherever you want to listen to the program, Twitter, Periscope, whatever, you can originate it by heart, H-A-R-T, heartofamerica.net. It's heartofamerica.net. All the information is right there. And then, of course, after we go live at 8 o'clock in the morning until 9.30 Central Time, then we go into the archives later that day. So heartofamerica.net, 8 a.m., live Central Time, Andrew. By the way, within that phone call, I got none of your movie references except for Forrest Gump. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't right, recognize well, go, one. Go up. 
all right, Kingsman of the Secret Service. It's really it's kind of violent, but it's pretty it's a pretty interesting movie. But yeah, it's about a megalomaniac that tries to overthrow the world by using SIM cards. Oh, I'm taking loves, notes. Loves him. Oh yeah, he loves him some McDonald's. I'm taking notes. Don't worry. All right, Michael Hart. Appreciate you, buddy. I'll be talking to you soon, man. Thank you, Andrew. There you go, my man, Michael Hart. The Michael Hart Show. Uh, you know, if you go to Michael Hart's page. I think he changed the name of his show to, and then there's that, <laughs> which is, which is uh, an original Michael Hart term. But I think uh, Jessica and I were the ones that coined that because we kept saying it on the show. Oh, uh, good stuff. All right, you want to get in on the show? The way to do it. If our phone lines are working after the big crash. 646-668-2714. 646-668-2714. Over the line, over the line show.com. Andrew McLean hanging out with you on this Wednesday. Y'all hang tight. heard the poem called the snake so i have it does anybody want to hear it again you sure are you sure okay so let's dedicate this to general kelly the border patrol and the ice agents for doing such an incredible job this was written by al wilson a long time ago And I thought of it having to do with our borders and people coming in. 
and we know what we're going to have. We're going to have problems. We have to very, very carefully vet. We have to be smart. We have to be vigilant. So here it is, the snake. We need to build a wall. We need to build a wall. We need to build a big, beautiful wall. We need to build a wall. We need to build a wall. We need to build a big, beautiful wall. We need to build a wall. We need to build a wall. We need to build a big, beautiful wall. We need to build a wall. We need to build a wall. We need to build a big, beautiful wall. On her way to work, one morning, down the path, along the lake, a tender-hearted woman saw a poor, half-frozen snake. His pretty-colored skin had been all frosted with the dew. Four things, he cried, I'll take you in, and I'll take care of you. The we need to build a wall. We need to build a wall. We need to build a big, beautiful wall. We need to build a wall. We need to build a wall. We need to build a big, beautiful wall. We need to build a wall. We need to build a wall. We need to build a big, beautiful but if I hadn't brought you in by now, oh heavens, you would have died. She stroked his pretty skin again and kissed him and held him tight. But instead of saying thank you, that snake gave her a vicious bite. show.com I had lights just coming on in the studio all of a sudden I've got this light behind me that's uh, it just comes on when it wants and then it happens like once a week I can really use it I think it helps the lighting in here but I can't get it to come on most days Again, overthelineshow.com. You can find all our social media stuff on there. If you haven't joined us on the Facebook page, you need to do so. We post a lot of funny memes and stuff. I got a lot of stuff to cram into this last uh, this last 30 minutes. I feel like I don't have it. When I bring people on the show to talk about things, which which I really enjoy doing, I really like having Michael Hart on here and the rest of our guests. Uh, I was supposed to have Jeff Port on today, but I, I completely forgot to hit him up. 
which he's a busy guy. We may try to bring him on tomorrow or something. I don't know. Um, let me move over. Uh, I, I want to say one more thing about the shutdown, and this is something I talked about at the top of the show. Um, it is the fact that uh, I'm noticing a, an astounding amount of corporations that are stepping up and trying to make sure people know that they're stepping up to help out furloughed government workers or government workers that are working without a paycheck. Now, I, I want to state this. I've already talked to two people who are currently working without a paycheck, both of which support what the president's doing. And they say it's the right thing. They say they're, they, that it sucks that they're not getting a paycheck because they're not necessarily in a position where they're doing so well they can go a couple months, two or three months without a paycheck. But they do support what the president's doing, although they hope the shutdown ends soon, which is completely understandable. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer seem to think that those people don't exist, but they do, and I've actually talked to them. They're good friends. Uh, I can't really give you much more details on uh, who they are or what they do, because I was told not to. I actually tried to get them on the show, and, and their people told them that they can't do that, <laughs> that they'll get in trouble. So uh, we couldn't bring them on the show. But uh, they're in support of the president, and they're not necessarily political people. They're not necessarily rabid Trump supporters like some of us are. They're just kind of in between. They don't, you know, they kind of keep up what's going on, kind of don't. But since the stuff has directly affected them, they've paid attention. And they're like, he's just doing the right thing. Not to mention, we went through this with, uh, with Obama as well. We went through this with Obama... We we had the government shut down with Obama president to give us something that was going to ruin our health care system. This is quite different than ruining the health care system. This is actually improving the safety of America. But with that said, there are a lot of companies going out of their way to make sure they're offering free services to furloughed government workers such as banks, wireless companies, restaurants, museums, and even a symphony orchestra. They've all lined up to provide furloughed and federal employees with freebies and special offers uh, during the partial government shutdown. Do you think a lot of those people are concerned about museums and... and (laughs) And uh, symphony orchestras. I saw this on USA Today. Uh, Some of America's largest financial institutions have set up hotlines to offer assistance to furloughed workers. Bank of America established a priority hotline for clients facing any difficulties related to the partial government shutdown. Chase Bank has a special care line for clients experiencing hardship 
via the partial government shutdown, specifically mentioning federal government employees and those that do business with federal agencies. Special offers include waiving of the overdraft and monthly service fees. Uh, Congressional Federal Credit Union, they're offering furlough relief loans and other relief programs to those affected by government shutdown. Those freebies include interest-free lines of credit, credit limit increases, loan and credit payment deferrals, waiver of uh, certificate withdrawal penalties, and financial coaching. What else? Fed choice. Interior Federal Credit Union, Navy Federal Credit Union, U.S. Employees Credit Union, SunTrust Bank, Wells Fargo. Those are just the banks. AT&T is offering flexible payment options to customers affected by the shutdown. Sprint, doing short-term payment solutions. T-Mobile is giving short-term assistance. Verizon proclaims it has your back, and is here for you if you're a government employee impacted by the government shutdown by extending flexible payment options to such customers. What else? Uh, National Rental Home Council is offering deferrals for rent payment and is waiving late fees. The Office's Office of Personal Personnel Management composed a letter for federal government employees to send to their landlords, creditors, and lenders. A British beer company is offering free meals and up to a $50 value on free meals, excluding alcohol. That's good. Now, if we could just do that with food stamps, we'd be, uh, we'd be in business. Um, what else? What else? And there's a whole list. I'm not going to go through it, but, uh, that's nice. It's nice of these companies to, to go out of their way to, to offer these services to, to federal employees. My only question is when, uh, everything crashed and people were losing their jobs across the country, especially those that worked in the coal mines and worked in the steel mills, where was this relief assistance from these major corporations? Why do they only do this type of thing when it's federal workers and not just average Americans that really it's really where they get most of their profits from? Hmm. Just a question. Just wondering. We had angel moms outside of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer's office over the past day or two. That was an interesting sight to see. I want to play you just a little bit of the audio from them. Uh, Somebody shot a live video. Let me see who this was. It was posted by Women Vote for Trump. And it's uh, some reporters out there just asking. And I don't know who these reporters are. They're not mainstream media reporters that are completely anti-Trump, but they're out there asking these these angel moms questions and, and asking them how it makes them feel that here they are standing outside of Nancy Pelosi's office and she is refusing to talk to them about their situation. Wow. And it's insulting every time they do that. 
it's a slap, it's a stab, it's a kick in the gut, in the groin, it just... Well, and it's not a matter of if you're going to be affected by a little illegal alien crime, it's when you're going to be affected. Can I ask you ladies something? I mean, you are so brave and you come out and you tell your story all the time uh, and it's difficult for you. And you're waiting outside hoping to see um, Nancy Pelosi who won't come and see you. That must be, uh, I mean, the bravery that you've exhibited and, and the willingness to come out and tell your story, which is such a difficult story to tell, it's difficult to hear and she refuses to hear it. How does that make you feel? Infuriated. Yeah, angry. Insulted, actually. Because if you can talk all that talk, why don't you walk all that walk? Why don't you, if you're that tough, Come see me. Come see all of us in one room. No press, no, just us. Just for two minutes. That's all we ask. And you know, I don't even you know what you is literally there is a wall between you and Nancy yeah, Pelosi. Exactly. No, literally. Right. If I bust through there, I get arrested if I go through that door without permission. But you wouldn't go. You no, because I, I obey the laws and I respect this office rules. And I wish the killers of our kids would have been held to that same standard when they had them in the first place. But they get treated different. And that's another thing that... And they're all standing there. They're all standing there with pictures of their loved ones. Standing there holding pictures of their loved ones that have been murdered by illegal immigrants in a variety of ways. And Nancy Pelosi refusing to talk to them. Now, Nancy Pelosi refusing to talk to the triple amputee that is running the GoFundMe for the border wall. Remember, he showed up at Capitol Hill to speak to Nancy Pelosi. He was going to uh, go ahead and get that $1 that she promised for the border wall. Go ahead and get that $1 from her. And she wouldn't meet with him either. But that was kind of a funny play on, you know, what she said and trying to make her look like an idiot, which I'm totally for. And it's not hard to do. She refused to meet with him, but refusing to meet with these people, even for two minutes, because all they're asking for is two minutes. They don't have to have any cameras or reporters or press. Just meet with us for two minutes and let us tell you our story. And show you that this is a real issue. Because as Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and the rest of the Democrats live in their plush homes in D.C., surrounded by a wall, they're not affected by illegal immigration. And they're not going to be affected by illegal immigration. It's not going to happen. So it's easy for them, whether they actually believe what they're saying or not, it is easy for them to believe Illegal immigration uh, being a problem in this country just doesn't exist. A crisis at the border doesn't exist. And if they think it does exist, they just close their eyes and, and refuse to go to the border. If they really believe what they're saying, and this is a manufactured crisis, do like your boy Jim Acosta did. Go to the border and show us. Go to part of the border where there's uh, no no physical barrier and just stand there for an hour. See what happens. Because every time real journalists, real reporters go down there to parts of the border where there is no barrier, every time they go down there, they catch illegal immigrants crossing. You've seen the videos. They're always online. 
they go down there and they see people crossing. It's happening every day by the hundreds, even hundreds of thousands of people crossing this border, millions of people crossing this border. And we have no idea who they are. We end up finding out who they are, but it's always after somebody's been killed or somebody's been raped or somebody's been murdered. Even the new migrant caravan, the newest caravan that's been formed, because these things keep popping up, by the way. They were making their way through Honduras, and Honduran officials, Honduran police, end up arresting the caravan organizer on a rape charge. So it's not even the fact that bad people exist within the caravans. There's bad people putting the caravan together. A rape charge. A rapist organized this caravan. He was leading it to the U.S. border to cross into this country. But don't tell Nancy Pelosi that. She don't want to hear that mess. She don't want to hear it. All right, let me move over to something else. We've talked about the border issue and the shutdown for so long. I know you guys got to be sick and tired of it. So, I saw this amazing story. And somebody sent it to me right before the show started. And I'm like, you can't make this stuff up. So, you've got a reporter. uh, Not a reporter, but a pundit. An analyst from CNN. Her name is Ariva Martin. Uh, She is an African-American lady who uh, is a race baiter, constantly gets on TV and talks about white privilege and Trump's a white supremacist and all all this stuff. She's just one of those people, the the kind of people CNN love. She did an interview on uh, Sirius XM Patriot 125. If you listen to Sirius XM, you're familiar with the channel, and you're probably familiar with a guy by the name of David Webb. David Webb is a is an African-American conservative. He's been on Fox News numerous times. He's been in the radio business for a while. But he hosts a conservative talk show on Sirius XM Patriot. So he decided he wanted to have a healthy discussion with this CNN legal anal- analyst, Ariva Martin. And I just want you to hear... What happened? Again, this is Sirius XM Patriot 125, the David Webb show. He's got uh, the CNN analyst on. Listen to this. This is absolutely precious, and you can't make this stuff up. It's so good. So good. I've chosen to cross different parts of the media world, done the work so that I'm qualified to be in each one. I never considered my color 
the issue. I considered my qualifications the issue. Well, David, you know, that that's a whole nother long conversation about white privilege and things that you have the privilege of doing that people of color don't have the privilege of. How do I and have the privilege you, of white privilege? David, by virtue of being a white male, you have white privilege. This whole long conversation, I don't have time to uh, get Ariva, I hate to break it to you, to but you should have been better prepped. I'm black. <laughs> okay, then I stand... See, you went to privilege. white privilege. This is the falsehood in this. You went immediately with an assumption. Your people, obviously, or you didn't look. You're talking to a black man. They who started out in rock radio in Boston, who crossed the paths into hip-hop, rebuilding one of the greatest black stations in America, and went on to work for Fox News, where I'm told apparently blacks aren't supposed to work, but yet you come with this assumption and you go to white privilege. David, That's actually David, insulting. It is, and I apologize because my people gave me wrong information. They, they told well, me... The whole white privilege but, thing is insulting. David, can, I, can I apologize and correct the record? I want to apologize. I was given wrong information about you, and I apologize. But based on my but color, white- you were going to something that I was part of. And just to add to it, my family background is white, black, Indian, Arawak, Irish, Scottish. I mean, it's so diverse. I'm like the UN when it comes to this. And this is part of the problem with driving a narrative around a construct like white privilege. Privilege is one thing where applied wealth, economy, uh, various social factors, but not necessarily determined by color of skin. See, the apology that she tried to offer is a cop-out. The fact that she was trying to place the blame of that on her people who told her, apparently, told her he was white. Which, it would be very interesting that you're going on a radio show, your people give you the paperwork on who you're going to be talking to, and they have to point out the color of their skin. That's an issue in itself. But she goes with the cop out of that's the reasoning that she claimed he had white privilege. But what she did is she proved that white privilege is a myth. You've got a successful black guy here who made his way up the ranks, through the ranks, by working hard, doing what he had to do, and doing it well. And that's what got him where he is on the other side of that microphone. And it had nothing to do with the color of his skin. And she says, well, the only way you could get to that position is because you're white. But he's not white. So what does that mean? It means white privilege is a myth. If white privilege was actually a thing... Why do so many people try and run from it? Who, who in this world does not want to be privileged? Who does not want the advantage? Just think about it in the terms of sports. Imagine a team saying, oh, well, we've got the opportunity to have the advantage here. We've got the opportunity to score, you know, another touchdown before halftime. We're not going to take it. Actually, a lot of football teams do that. They'll just take a knee. That drives me crazy. But who in this life 
would not want to take the advantage. But instead, you've got people running from and being ashamed of white privilege. It's a myth. It's a fantasy. It's not real. If it were real, people would be jumping all over it and saying, give me my white privilege. Give me more of it. Oh, these people don't want their white privilege? Can I, can I have it? Can I have your leftovers of your white privilege? It's not a thing. And this lady, ironically, one of the biggest promoters of, of white privilege being a thing, proved that it's actually not a thing. It's a fantasy. It's a fantasy! Another thing that's a fantasy is the fact that being manly in a society with masculinity in it is a bad thing. That if you're a manly man, if you're a man's man, if, you, if you've got testosterone pumping through your body, that automatically qualifies you as a sexist pig that probably rapes people and grabs them by the you-know-what. That's what Gillette says, anyway. We touched on this a bit uh, yesterday, but the, the the ramifications are starting to roll in for Gillette. When you've got some uh, latte-sipping, skinny-jean-wearing millennial in your marketing department, the same people that have constructed this idea of toxic masculinity and white privilege and all this stuff, that generation is starting to make its way into marketing departments for companies who have been ultimately successful for decades. They come up with this kind of stuff because it's what they know. It's what they've been taught. And now it's backfiring on them. Gillette has faced widespread mockery and backlash for their woke man-scolding commercial. They're getting tons of calls. Apparently, Twitter is ripping them to shreds. And it's just not good. And Gillette has always been a company that prided itself on promoting men. And now, all of a sudden, it's tearing men down and saying that uh, men are are the uh, the scum of the earth, and they're really the reason for all the problems. Now, I'm assuming you guys have, have seen the commercial. And it's only like a minute or so long. I guess I could play it for you. And uh, for those of you that are watching live on YouTube, I can even um, hold, the, hold the tablet up here and let you watch the commercial for yourself. So let me give that a shot. This is the new Gillette commercial. That is making its way across the airwaves and uh, really causing them lots and lots of problems. Bullying. The Me Too movement against sexual harassment. Is this the best a man can get? Is it? We can't hide from it. It's been going on far too long. We can't laugh it off. Who's the daddy? What I 
actually think she's trying to say. Making the same old excuses. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. But something finally changed. Allegations regarding sexual assault and sexual harassment. But she says And there will be no going back. Because we, we believe in the best in men. Men need to hold other men accountable. Smile, sweetie. Come on. To say the right thing. To act the right way. Not cool, not cool. Some already are. In ways big Yo, men, and small. I am strong. But some is not enough. It's not how we treat each other, okay? Okay. Because the boys watching today will be the men of tomorrow. There you go. So, I'm doing this very old school, by the way. I'm literally, for those of you watching live, you're you're watching me uh, on my tablet here. So, that's the commercial. Uh, for those of you that are listening to the podcast version, you couldn't see the, the visuals to that. But it shows, it depicts... Uh, boys wrestling in a in a yard while men are barbecuing and the men are just letting the boys fight and also showing men sexually harassing uh sexually harassing uh uh women so on and so forth just absurd absurd things right this is why they're catching so much heat because if you've seen that commercial you see that they are directly attacking men they're directly attacking masculinity if you go back and you watch some of their old commercials they're promoting the masculinity they're promoting men being men and I hope that they go back and they watch this stuff and they watch their old commercials and they realize that the reason they've been successful in the past is because these razors are for men. They've, they, they've promoted men, how great the great things that men do. And never once in the past did they scold men for anything. Did they preach to men on how they should be? So when they go back to the drawing board and they say, what do we do wrong? Hopefully that'll involve some of these old commercials. Here's here's one. Of, I want to make sure that this is the right one. Let's see. I, I found one that I, I want to play the audio of. Let's try this one. I think this is it. This is from, uh, I don't know, 19... Uh, this is from 1989, okay? Gillette commercial, 1989. Take yourself... Uh, take, uh, take a listen to this right here. It's actually pretty classic. You're looking sharp. You're looking good, you've come so far And we know how to make the most of who you are Father to son, it's what we've always done To let the best of men begin On so many faces it's plain to see We give you all we have to give For all a man can be 
music though. <laughs> okay. Atro Plus system with the Luber Smooth strip for the best a man can get. So the visual on this thing is showing men uh, getting married and and uh, playing football and running track and these muscular guys and all this kind of just it's showing a lot of manly stuff. Just man stuff, okay? That's what Gillette used to do. That was their bread and butter. That's where that's back in the day when they had no problems at all. They were selling lots of razors. Now, today's a little different because they've got more competition. They're having to deal with uh Harry's Shave Club, Dollar Shave Club, whatever all the different brands are. And instead of doing something innovative to help their case and, and convince people to to buy their overpriced razors at Walmart instead of going and signing up for this Dollar Shave Club or whatever else. This is the stunt they pull. <laughs> it's uh, It may be the end of an era. And I know this may be a bold prediction, but it may be the end of Gillette. That we've, uh, as you see, it has been around for decades. We may not have any more Gillette. They may have to hang it up. Only time will tell. Twitter's not happy, though. Let me just read you some of these tweets. I'm old enough to remember a time when Gillette honored and championed our incredible men. Strength, courage, loyalty, honor, family. These are wonderful, forgotten men. Uh, the video I showed you guys, or allowed you to listen to the last one, uh, they the person tweeted, uh, Gillette, 1989, the best a man could get. Look at all this masculinity. Other people posting, boys will be boys. One picture of uh, a man saving a woman and an infant from the floods in Houston. Another one, Candace Owens actually, says the Gillette commercial is the product of mainstream radicalized feminism. And emblematic of cultural Marxism, stop perverting masculinity. Let boys wrestle. Let little boys wrestle. Another guy, this is one of the good ones, says, Hi, Gillette. And this guy, his name, uh, his name is Imam Muhammad Tahidi. At Imam of Peace. He says, Hi, Gillette. I can't find your video of men who won. Force women to undergo female genital mutilation. Two, force their wives and daughters to wear a burqa. Three, kill their women for leaving the religion. Four, rape their wives because their imam allows it. And five, form rape gangs across Europe. Thank you. Yeah, where's where's the Muslim toxic masculinity at? Because it's much worse than what's going on in this country. Last but not least, here's a tweet that says, I used to love beating up kids at barbecues. Now I realize that this is wrong. Also, my balls have never been smoother. Thanks, Gillette. I'm out of here. I don't even know if I'm supposed to say that. Over the line, over the line show.com. Make sure you check out the website. Sign up for the newsletter. Get us hooked up on all the social media. Tell your friends about it. 
And uh, make sure you go and listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, Anchor, and all the other platforms we have available. Until tomorrow, see you, cuz. <laughs>